3: and we are live howlers podcast episode 165
0: yep. oh, yeah 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 we're 165, here. gentlemen, steadily approaching the 200 mark, and doing so from long distance. I am uh, again still in Rochester. Likely be there for next week's episode. You guys are all uh, rejoicing in the same room. How does it feel to be be together again? Does it feel good? good? You guys happy?
1: I haven't been here in
0: a minute. I
3: love being this close to Jalen Jones. Yeah, we've been benefiting from Jalen's energy I've quite actually, a bit lately.
1: I've actually been yeah. uh, in prison called uh, Fenway Park. <laughs> <laughs> Held against my will, J- trapped inside the Jalen's green
0: been walls. a prisoner of Major League Baseball, working uh, hand over foot every single day, every hour of the day. But how has the opening week been successful?
1: It was honestly the most successful one I've had being there in the four years. Usually, something like explodes, like the biggest women's room in the park exploded last year on the first day. Yikes. Yeah. Someone flushed a poncho down the toilet. Over, it was you. A, we all know rain you. You, you, you used the
0: women's bathrooms. <laughs> Yeah. They're cleaner and more
1: accessible. It was, it was brutal, but now opening day opening week has been really good and it's in flow now. So I can regularly, you know, like adjust my schedule to actually be here. Very good. Good hey, to have you back, Jay. Yeah. Here
0: we go. socks. Uh, yeah. Points went okay this weekend. Yours truly actually finished first. It was my first, uh, first place finish in a few weeks. I had nine. Uh, I think that was mostly cause I had two correct score lines. Don't remember what they were. Uh, Jalen, you had seven. You came in second. Andrew, a narrow third with six. And Connor holding up the caboose yeah, with four. I you said you didn't do that great this yeah. week. That, that's true.
2: I was reviewing them, and I was like, yo. That was my best week bad, in a while. This is a bad week. What did you get? Six, six points? points. Yeah.
1: yeah,
2: I'm so happy.
0: Yeah. The, the correct score lines always jump you up a few points. But um, I, as soon as I had two, I was like, I think I'm pretty much in the clear this week. But like a decent hard. week for the boys in terms of yeah. points. But... We start, Connor, with the club you support, Liverpool, who played host to Arsenal. Anfield's always a place where shit pops off, and shit kind of did pop off, but immediate reactions. Were you happy to walk away with a point? I feel like I ask you this with Liverpool a lot a lot of weeks that they play, but <laughs> yeah. were you happy to walk away with a point, or were you kind of greedy for all three? Do you think they outplayed you? What was your assessment of the men in red?
2: I was overall very happy with the performance. I think we put ourselves in a position to grab all three, but... <laughs> With how things turned out, I am happy with the point. So, um, yeah, it it feels good. I I feel like I am a renewed Liverpool fan after watching that performance. I don't know why that's the performance that's making me feel this way. Um, I don't know. There's like a sense about it with how Jurgen carried himself after the match. Him explaining that. Yes, it was a good result to come back from two down against the league leaders, but it still wasn't enough. So like him kind of not taking the point for granted either. He he wants more and wants the team to push onward. And just from what, from what I saw with the players on the field, um, I think Kanate solidified himself as probably the best defender that we have at the moment, and he put in a mammoth performance. Crunching tackles. Um, I think he's flown under the radar a lot even with the French team. Um, but he, he's now kind of coming into his own, becoming a very dominant center back. And then you get the likes of Bobby on the ball. Uh, I was talking to Jalen how he's just like, he's still so good at what he does, dropping very deep, winning tackles, creating. And he was an impact performer the minute he stepped on. But yeah, though I wanted to really shout out Kanate because I think he was a game changer for us in the match. But Liverpool as a whole more optimistic to be able to go uh, to take points two down take a point two down at arsenal i thought they were going to run away with it but for us to steady the ship look more convincing and then take it to them for i would say 55 to 60 minutes uh arsenal were on the back foot completely and didn't really have a foothold in the game if not for ramsdale so yeah it feels good uh wait till next season now as we get our pieces back tiago was back a guy i forgot about kind of He's always going to be an in out of the side, but he he was he looked good as he came on. There's all the conversations around Virgil, um, which I think some of which are warranted. And I don't know how you guys feel about the whole Virgil situation where he's being compared to the likes of Vidic, all this, these conversations that are happening. But I think for me, what I want to see from Virgil is just to kind of ditch the whole casual defending act because it's putting him in really bad situations game after game. And this season, it's kind of his highlight reel. And I think when he does lock in and we do, when he does commit himself and not try to make things easy, I know that's kind of part of his game to look so casual and be good doing it. But if if he takes it up that notch and just locks in and puts the extra effort forth, I think that's where he'll come back into his own as the, like, the best center back in the world. But, yeah, happy with the point. With Virgil, I think um,
3: the comparisons are – they're always going to be made in football, so you can't really get too caught up in them. And I, I personally don't think he's better than the likes of Vidic. Um, maybe you could say Ferdinand. Uh, although they were very similar in terms you of think? their ball playing. Yeah, I mean,
1: I would flip flop that.
3: I mean, in terms of like resilience and a player who can keep you. Not that I want to get into it. I just I'm I was always more of a Vidic fan. Um, but regardless. I think when we look at look at Liverpool and the mistakes being made, I mean you guys could have won that game if that mistake just never happened. So could have been four or five, two. So I think Liverpool are on the right track. Obviously they could lose the next time out, so I guess take this with a grain of salt, but I think these little errors we're seeing have been plaguing them all season long. Defensively, in possession, um and even Salah missing a penalty like they, it's just not what Liverpool Liverpool that's not the Liverpool that we're used to and to think that they would never get to this point i even said this in the beginning of the season like to think that this Liverpool team would be perfect every single season competing with city is just unrealistic so um they clearly are a threat it's just a matter of their they're they're making stupid errors and they're missing great opportunities so um overall. I agree. I think, I mean, and I Virgil's think, Virgil's not immune to that. So yeah.
0: Largely, I feel the same way and that I'm just still sort of shocked at the drop in form from Virgil. It's not been horrible at certain parts of the season, and obviously you sort of play as well as the rest of the team's form is. It's really hard to be playing well if your team's not playing that great, but I just watching them have been pretty surprised at his uh, lack of positioning, which was kind of his bread and butter going into everything. It's obviously being really big and physical and intelligent, but that working to his advantage because of where he places himself before the ball gets there. So that's sort of been shocking to me, but Connor, you brought up a name earlier and I think I've been one to jump on him as a player, maybe offer a bit more criticism than positive talk, but you mentioned Firmino, somebody who came on, eventually gets the game-tying goal, someone who not that long ago announced he would be leaving Liverpool at the end of the year. And I know that there's a few guys that have been hurt. I know you brought in some new guys uh, you know, s- since that announcement, and you do seem well-equipped to back him up when he does depart. But to me, this sort of has a little bit of Sadio Mane to it, where you think that you're really well-prepared once he leaves at the end of the season, but it turns out during the season, you really could have used a guy like that. I think several times you've said, man, you know, we are missing him up front or on the wing. He so did a lot of the the intangibles that don't that you don't always get credit for, but he was a huge part of why you guys were so good moving the ball forward. Do you sort of get an eerie feeling that maybe you'll miss Firmino more than you realize now? And I guess I'd open this to, to all three of you.
2: I would, I'm not as fearful, I guess, as I was with Sadio. Sadio one hurt more because of what happened to Luis Diaz. Um this one I feel a little bit more comfortable about and I think it's in even a little bit better standing because Sadio there was always the, like the I don't know the dueling personalities between him and Salah and what the media did to that but with Bobby I think it is a good time for him to leave because I think if he sticks around another season that would maybe be putting his entire football career in Jeopardy. I think he has years left in the tank. I do wish he was staying, um, but the natural progression I see is Gakpo is going to take on the Bobby role, and I think he's going to be a starter over Jota. It would be probably too much to say that I would prefer Jota the leave over Bobby because of how late Bobby is in his career but and how short Brazilian careers tend to be, but I would love to have Gakpo under Bobby's wing for one more year to kind of learn the nuances of that deep dropping number nine. But Gokbo, I'm, I'm confident that he'll he's a very talented player. His hold up play just based on his frame is going to be phenomenal. And with his athletic attributes, he can be a ball winner. He can win head balls. Um, he does have the quick interchanges um, more so than like the likes of Nunez but in those small areas, he can create good things for the teammates around him. So not as well as Bobby. I don't think anyone does as much with Bobby with one or two touches in a very small space. But Gakpo, I hope, is going to be the one that kind of leads the charge filling that false nine role in the Liverpool team.
3: I was thinking the same thing. I thought Gok- I think Gakpo will be the player. That's why it's more comfortable for them to lose Bobby. And they still have Jota who can play that position. And I'm sure you will sign somebody else. Maybe not a big-name player, but...
2: Um, I just think their,
3: front, their attacking th-
2: options are pretty deep. Once we get Diaz back, who's going to be back Monday versus Leeds, I think that's pretty much confirmed by Klopp as he'll be in the team. I don't know if he'll be starting. Probably not starting on the bench. But that that's a pretty front-heavy team still. And Carvalho is someone who's been a complete miss this season that I think has a lot of talent to add. Maybe he's just not on the level. like That could be, but... Um, once we steady the midfield I think it'll allow those attackers to kind of start flowing again.
1: His frame's just a little small, I think.
2: Yeah, it is tough. That's why I think Klopp prefers like the likes of Curtis. Um he, he does love Harvey
1: despite being undersized, but Harvey's a little bit more like low center of He's gravity. stocky. He has I would say quicker feet, but Yeah, I think yeah. Curtis is someone who's a mystery. We were talking about a, that earlier. Yeah, he is a mystery. He looks kind of like out of sorts. In the uh, midfield. Was he on the midfield or in the wing? He was in midfield. Okay. Um, yeah, because it was... He hasn't
0: really aged into that team as well as I think most people thought he would. Has he, Connor?
1: No, it's
2: because, I don't know, Like he, his listed and preferred position is as a left winger, and like there's no space in that. So the fact that he hasn't adapted better to play a left-sided midfielder or a center midfielding role is is what's, what I really get hung up on with him because I think that he's built to be a midfielder, especially a, f- a forward-thinking midfielder, but he just hasn't adapted, and he doesn't have the durability to do that. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's str- straying away from the topic. We also have to talk about the old Gooners. But, uh,
0: no. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I take it that the four of us were all in agreement that either Man City or Arsenal were going to be winning the league this season. Correct me if I'm wrong, but based on the result that Arsenal put up this weekend, are you more or less convinced? I thought I still think they're in the driver's seat. I still think they're going to w- get it done, even though it'll break my heart. I think this will be one of those. Ooh man, that was sort of a close one. Or yeah, that was that was a week we thought we might not do it. I still think they're going to get it done. Um, but these results are exactly like the ones we talked about. This final gauntlet for them, where they have quite a few tests. Chelsea, Newcastle, they still have to play City again. So they really do have their work cut out for them and they're going to have to earn it if they do win. I, again, I still think they'll emerge victorious at the end of the year, but man, are they going to have to earn it. I think
1: just having Trossard, I don't know. For me, I know he didn't he wasn't like too like impactful in the Liverpool game, but I mean, he's helped them so much since they got him. I I don't know. I feel like they have a slight edge at the moment to keep it going. It's I I think it's less on Arsenal more on City. I don't think like Arsenal will I don't know. I feel like they're way too consistent at this point. It's what? How many games are left? Like eight, I think. Yeah, eight. Would you eight, say? Would you say this the,
3: pre- pre- the pressure is more on Arsenal from Arsenal fans than it is the world of football compared to the world of football and City's shoulders? Kind I think, of that situation. I
2: think Arsenal's good at putting pressure on themselves that doesn't quite <laughs> exist to that magnitude. If that makes sense, like they're gonna feel more of a target on their back than everyone else kind of thinks. 'Cause we're all casually kind of shooing them in as having the edge. So there's not like there is pressure that comes with that, but it's not like the pressure of, oh, Arsenal's gonna bottle this. Yeah,
1: you know also, what I mean? yeah like in like the narrative on like social media, it's like City's only six points behind. It's like that's still a big gap. I get it's City, but like it's creating so much more pressure. Like they could easily just like this come and, and-, and the hopes of Champions League a Champions League run.
3: Obviously today the result makes them favorites to move on to the next round. But if they not get knocked out in that next round of the competition. And then there's more pressure on them to chase Arsenal. I know that they don't have that on themselves, but the media will stir this headline <coughs> up of that. And that's just... And the world... And people will will stir that up as arguments and all this stuff. So um, I think it's extremely interesting to see how this... Like you mentioned, Tristan, the, the stretch of games that Arsenal have left, which is extremely competitive and extremely difficult. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm honestly just looking forward to the, the next month because it's going to be... A shit show and it's very exciting.
0: Based on right now, who so I guess to put yourself out there a little bit, like based on the remaining schedules both clubs have right now and based on what you saw this weekend, if you were had to put down five hundred bucks right now in a winner, are you going towards City or are you going to Arsenal?
2: I'm going to Arsenal. I don't know. <laughs> really pulls on my heartstrings because I want it to be City. I, so, uh, the, I,
0: I still think because I'm a pessimist, and I think the more I say it, the less likely it is to happen. I feel like I'd go Arsenal, but right now I feel like I w- it would be safe to bet on City. They, they picked yeah. up points this, this weekend. I mean,
2: they also play liquid football down the street. Like, they play so well down the back stretch yep. of a season, no matter. They could play four games a week and they'll still. Mm-hmm. But, like, the way that I'm visualizing it in my head, which gives Arsenal the edge, um, it's still the favorites and the team that's going to be holding the trophy at the end of the season is I'm looking at it. Is that one mystery game that's going to happen as to where one team just comes out, whether it's city or Arsenal, I think between the two, when they match up, it might end in a draw. So that kind of helps Arsenal um, cause city have the gap to make up, but there's going to be one mystery game where something just doesn't quite click and I think Arsenal with the scrap and the fight and the desperate nature that they're going to have to chase a trophy, it's not going to be Arsenal and city will come out. It might not be against the big sides. Like it might not be when they face Arsenal or it might not be, they might play. I don't do. They play Newcastle too. I'm not sure, but it'll be like a mid table, a Villa or someone that it's not going to click. And it's going to either be drop points in a draw or a loss. So I think City is more likely to have that performance. So, Arsenal, I would pick Arsenal if I had to throw the cash down.
0: But, <laughs> mm. but luckily, no cash on the line here. Yeah, I don't know. I would maybe go
1: opposite on that.
2: I think that's fair. I've been saying Arsenal hasn't
0: been playing the best football down the second half of the season.
1: I don't know. I'm going to go City. I feel like they have the comeback in them.
0: I think I'd, I'd lean towards the men in blue right now. Before we move on, we do have to talk about the elbow scene around the world. Very quickly, uh, clip making its rounds. Uh, System referee Konstantin Hazadakis uh, is, I think, the final punishment still being pieced together based on what the actual repercussions will be. But really interesting. I mean, c- clearly an intentional elbow. We've talked to quite a bit on this podcast. I, I, Andrew, I remember you one week saying you just nobody should ever elbow anybody. So now we do kind of get to put that theory into play now that we're looking at it from a referee on player attack. I mean, based on Mitrovic's ban, which was nine games, would you not argue that the ref gets a similar ban? Are we holding him to a higher standard? How are we uh, looking at this gentleman based I, on the whole situation?
3: I think he should get a ban, but I don't think he should lose his career over it. Um, I think we look at the Mitrovic situation, look at the Bruno situation. It's unacceptable. And it's a human reaction, and I think I think there's more of a responsibility for on players to not act that way because they get paid more money. they have the spotlight on they have plenty of people looking up to them and you you have these referees who I empathize a bit more with because they're constantly being yelled at by coaches, by players um, they're also running up and down the field they're also their heart rate is also jacked up. Um, people can make the argument of all these players are on adrenaline. So obviously it's just a reaction, which I get, but also these referees are also doing the same thing. Maybe not as much, but it's something to play, to have a factor in. And I just feel for the referees that they get like the amount of pressure that's on them and the amount of shit they get. And it's insane to think that this wouldn't have happened because there is a huge disrespect amongst the referees that I'm seeing. We're all seeing it. Players are shoving them and elbowing them. Also, when you do when there is a stigma like we've seen in anything in life, it's gonna it's gonna be a me versus us versus them scenario. So it's a situation where these players it's like players versus referees and referees are banding together to obviously not let players just bully them and that referee might have seen what happened with Mitrovic and Bruno and just in the subconsciously pissed him off. And then in the moment he has a reaction. So it's like it's I just feel like there's a bad relationship right now between players and referees and coaching staffs. So I think they needs that needs to be fixed, as well as the the quality of refereeing as well. I think that also needs to be fixed. But it's just I think it's so ridiculous that um there is elbowing and all this like nonsense because it's just it's like childish
0: not, not that you know I, I'm holding a uh, kangaroo court here on our podcast and forcing you to do an exact sentence but if so that that is your viewpoint and in, in that because of uh, the abuse that they take by both players and by the fans and their stake within the game we should be a little bit more lenient with referees in terms of a punishment would you say like if Mitch Rich got a nine game ban would you give hatsudakis would you give him like a six or seven game ban or would you go towards the end of the season? I mean, that's, I guess, the interesting part of all of this, right, is I think in a perfect world, we could hold everybody to the same exact standard based on their proximity to the game. I mean, we've always said, like, you don't want to know who the referee was during a certain game because that means they called it efficiently. There wasn't a lot of de- debate. They weren't making it about them. So I think that becomes sort of an issue in the Prem in terms of refs wanting to be a bigger part of the game than they should be in terms of just... Ushers and making sure that it's played in a clean way. But I guess I'm not sure. I guess that is sort of an interesting take to look at it as, well, yeah, but I mean, we could hold everybody to the same standard, but it seems like it's more nuanced than that. Connor, uh, Jalen, do you guys have any different yeah. thoughts on this? I mean, who do you side uh, with?
2: I agree that he shouldn't. I agree with Andrew in the sense that he shouldn't lose his career. Um, he's, he's worked very hard, put in the hours. He deserves to be kind of where he is but I strongly disagree with the sense of it should be a similar band. I think that referees are also professionals. They also get paid. So to say that players are more expected to remain in line than referees. Also, we don't see this from referees. Like I look at referees when I watch a soccer, like they're a neutral party for one. So if someone's jawing in his face, like sure he has skin in the game, but It it doesn't really matter to him. Like he has a job to do, and to throw like a blind elbow towards a player's head, that's worse than shoving a referee. You don't see players like throwing elbows towards referees' heads or anything like that. So, I think that this ref in this situation, the referees are held to a higher standard. They're they're the parent. They're in simple terms, like if you look at it's younger less professional parties playing against each other and the referee is the peacekeeper of the match so i think that referees need to be held to a higher standard because when they walk out on the pitch those are all things that they're expected to deal with in a cool composed manner and that's why they're refereeing at the top level like i've never seen a referee throw an elbow towards a player nor do i think it's ever acceptable for them to do that because it's just it's so out of line, um, and it jeopardizes the safety of the players. And they're there to keep the players safe. Robo wasn't making any gestures towards the referee that necessarily threatened him. And if if this referee does have that short of a fuse, I th- I think that that's probably not a great position to put him in. But give him another chance. I think let it blow over because if you make a if you make a decision, so to say, about this, like oh, it's an eight-game ban or a nine-game based on Mitrovic. Then he becomes this decision, and then you're setting a precedent. But if you just kind of let it die, let the season end, let it all blow over, let him kind of sink back into the weeds, and then maybe next season he can come out and referee again without the spotlight on his back, I think that's probably the best handling of it because the media is immediately going to shine a spotlight if there's a decision made. But if you just take him off the referee, payroll, he doesn't refer any matches for the rest of the season. And then you kind of assess things with a clear head in the summer. Maybe he's ready. Maybe he goes through additional training, something along those lines. But I do think referees should be held to a higher standard. Cause how, how can you call a game as a neutral party and then incentivize violence from yourself? Like, not that that's necessarily what he's doing, but like, he needs to have no strings attached. He sh- he knows people are going to yell in his face. This is the most competitive league in the world. Like that's just what comes with the nature of the game in the Premier League. So he needs to handle that and he needs to deal with it better than he did Rabo. So and he's an assistant referee. Like he should be. If anything, it's the easiest place to be as a referee to get away from all of that.
1: Yeah. Um, yep. In my opinion, I think. I mean, obviously, both are aligned. I would really, really like to know what Robertson said to him because to get that reaction out of someone like Connor said to be like throwing bows, I mean, that's kind of crazy. I mean, not to, you know, like bash Robertson's like character, but he is a prick. Like, he's very yeah. annoying on the field. Oh, yeah. So, like, I would love to know what he said. But like Connor said, I think they should be held to a higher standard. Um, punishment wise, I don't like, I would give him like a week off, some training, and then, honestly, I would just, like, bind him to being the fourth referee, just sticking up the sign for minutes and just being not part of the game. Stand between the coaches. I I don't think... I
3: get that referees are, like, the parent of the game. That makes total sense, but I think we just let players get away with too much. Maybe that's my my reaction to it. And that's why I empathize a lot with the referee because it's an honest reaction. And, yeah, I think re-education into the stress you're going to receive in these types of matches in the most competitive league in the world is a, like you said, like kind of work him, work him back into it next season. Um, But I I just, I I just empathize with it because it's, I know you're supposed to be that, but he could have said something. It's just human nature to, to have a reaction and it is a physical game and refs are verbally abused by players pretty consistently. I'm, I'm not trying to be dramatic. They are. And, who knows sometimes you can get physical. And I, I think there's just more to it because of the, I think there's more of an us versus them scenario at more than ever in the Premier league. These last five seasons. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah it's, you know, bring up the, yeah.
0: the, the us versus them is interesting. I, Cause I think about this as in kind of like kind of a mob boss way. Like if a guy was mediating between two rival mobs and they were like, yeah, you know, you did this to him, but yeah. So we'll to make it even, we'll give you this amount. So, when I think about it that way, the timing works out perfectly. Just about eight games left. This seems maybe harsh compared to what you guys have said. I'd ban him the rest of the year. I'd give him a similar ban to what you gave Mitrovic. and you say, okay, listen, players and refs, no more touching. Any touching of any kind, whether it's even meant to be friendly, any any type of physical contact that's beyond the normal handshake or pat on the back after a game, you are going to sit games. We are going to keep this a regular thing. I mean – I've liked what you guys have said. You just don't elbow people. It's just a slippery slope into a lot of different things. Any type of physical contact. Again, a handshake or a pat on the back is fine, but I think the timing works out well. I think you give H- Hazadakis a, a, a fine. I actually think an elbow to the face is more serious than what Mitrovic did to the ref, but I don't even want to get into the semantics of that because mm-hmm. then it becomes sort of nonproductive, but... I'd ban him the rest of the year. I'd go into the summer and, and in a big refresher and Jalen, I actually like your point, maybe start him as like the guy who holds the clock, which I don't, don't mean that to sound as demeaning as it is, but yeah, there's uh, not, there's not just, as involved. They also, him him get, in the yelled, they also get yelled at too. He, they get yelled at also. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're, they're good. He needs to get yelled at.
1: I actually didn't even think about that. Cause those coaches are like, imagine Mourinho in your ear, just like talking about like, you should have added 10 minutes. I'm just like, dude, shot off. It's also it's like, like he's a, he's that's, also
3: the the he's also the direct point of contact when the referee can't speak to the center ref or the assistant ref they always go to him to figure out a solution with a, with like a foul that wasn't called they'll go to that guy and be like like go tell your buddy that like that he missed
2: this that's good though i feel like if you're a referee and you love what you're doing like that's the fun part of the game where you can like they can say whatever you want you can kind of sit back laugh have a reasonable argument if you need it but like it's like oh yeah you just kind of brush it off that, that's i think Imagine. i think
3: this referee Imagine. might be the best referee down the road because he's had such a crazy uh, start to his pre- career. I don't know how old he is, but
0: imagine they have Hazardakis doing the line (laughs) thing and he's holding that big clock and someone rubs the argue and he just smacks the guy over the head with it. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, we should not have given him the big thing to hold. That was, in hindsight, a bad idea. Oh my God. Might be be time for the lifetime ban. I mean, truly, every week I have less and less of an idea of what's going on at Chelsea Football Club. This week actually took the cake, bringing in Frank Lampard as an interim coach until the end of the year. I actually think took the cake and the biggest head scratcher, what the shit are you all doing at Stanford Bridge sweepstakes? Would you guys agree? This was this was the craziest thing of all everything to me.
1: Yeah, I was confused. I mean, honestly, if we think about Frank's previous stint at Chelsea, he did bring him like like win in the Champions League came from Frank allowing them to like go forward in the group stage. Like he didn't do like the prem was where he had the biggest issue, but for some reason in Europe he was fine. I don't know. It's, it could be a case of like, if he has better players, can he like save them? I mean, honestly, Chelsea aren't in a, like, like they're not going down. They're just in the middle kind of just like coasting, but like, it's more of the, I think it's more, I don't know. You're you just kind of in the spotlight because you have this new owner just like doing a bunch of new things. And I feel like you kind of just get scapegoated if you don't do well. Obviously it happened with Potter, but I don't know. I, I, I just think the appointment was very odd, but I don't, I don't see anyone else that would want the job at this point yeah. in the season. The, yeah. I
2: every time it comes up because now he's the only consistent consistent factor in it, but like it it's beginning to seem like Boley lives in la la land a little bit. Like he lives in this world of best case scenarios, fairy tales, it all working out and I think Frank Lampard as a caretaker manager would be like an ideal situation of oh, there's nothing left to left to gain from this season. Let's bring in a former player, former manager, legend at Chelsea. Whatever happens, happens, and that's kind of how things go because there's not many games left. And thank God they gave him the caretaker manager title. But like the issues, whatever you're gonna fix at Chelsea, kind of needs to start way sooner rather than later. Um, so I think they should be putting more effort into getting the right guy in bringing in like an actual caretaker manager that wasn't previously on the coaching staff, I think causes more confusion amongst the players and what's going on. Frank, despite being okay at Chelsea, he has no track record of turning teams around. He couldn't like, he saved Everton, but couldn't do anything beyond that. So, just really confusing. Bully's the consistent factor for me. And it seems like he's looking at the glass as way too half-full right now where he can just go splash the cash, bring in these feel-good guys, and somehow it only manages to get worse and worse. And, like, come on, you come out against Wolves and can't get even a point That's that i mean there
0: was no there was no change in how they looked if anything they looked much worse or flatter especially up front i just don't what i mean because this this sort of to me calls to mind in a weird way ralph ragna coming in andrew when he was like the supposed to be the temporary man at united and obviously the parameters are way different it's a different situation but why why the interim manager i just have the guy who was already on the touchline like who was already who had stepped in just for that game against uh, i don't remember who it was but um i just why why frank it clearly didn't work out last time it's like the same thing as why i wouldn't want Poch back it would feel like a complete regression the i have to think the players at this point too are like Frank, man, I love playing with you as FIFA in FIFA when I was growing up. But I do this is not a thing. This is not we can't have an interim manager. I just don't. I I don't get it. Truly,
3: I was originally harsh on it in the group chat, and obviously it's weird that he's getting these jobs still. But then I look back on it, and I think Todd Bowley has accepted where Chelsea's going to finish this season, and it's going to be not in relegation, but also not in the top four. So I think... The top half. Yeah, top half. He's already had the proven manager, shell for a stint this season, let him go. So he tried something new. Tried the prodigy. Tried the, the prodigy, prodigy <laughs> with Graham Potter, which is free-flowing football, fun, something refreshing, and, and it worked. Like, it, it worked with Graham, but then that fell through. And so now he's only left with one option, which is, I've had both types of managers. I might as well just bring in this guy, He's a club legend, and I can, we can figure out who's coming in in the summer because, like Jalen mentioned, nobody wants to take this job right now. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of players. It's a lot of uh, different attitudes and, and personalities. So I don't, I don't think we need to look into it more than what it is, which is a caretaker role which just finish out the season. Or like
0: a monetary thing. Bowley's good at selling tickets and, and putting yeah. asses in seats and making the club money. Could this even be like a money thing? Hey, let's have Frank come in. At, at the very least, a few extra people will come in and go, oh, yeah, I grew up He was my favorite player growing up. I want to see him on the touchdown. Maybe I'll get a chance to meet him or high-five him. So I look at it, and I'm like, this is just all about money for me. I think you're right that he's accepted where they're going to end up. but. I think this is just kind of a cash grab, which makes it more despicable. Think <laughs> well, about yeah, it. I, think, I think one of the
1: thing also is that like even though there's a lot of new players, he's very familiar with a lot of the guys in there, like Abamying, Mount, like the, like Aspelkwaite. Polisic had yeah, great
0: form under under Chilwell, or, like
1: he knows a lot of them. I, like obviously, we were just like he's a respected player in the world of football, and he's respected in Chelsea. So, I mean, I feel like he can actually talk to those guys and be like, what the heck is going on? Like, I don't think it's a totally bad move. I was, like Andrew said, I was pretty pretty harsh. I was bad mouth in the half. I was so, I was like, <laughs> yeah. what the hell are they doing? Yeah, like, this yeah. is so dumb. But, yeah, like, I, I don't think it's too bad. I don't, I like you said, or Connor said, like, I don't think, like, Boley made this move to, like, <laughs> spur them forward. But I do think he can, I, I think he can keep, the locker room together even though he's kind of like a you know like no emotions type of guy but right yeah he'll get it in like a healthy place
2: for someone to come in and take over kind of
1: yeah I saw a quote on uh from Enzo on Twitter like saying like Frank was talking to us like saying like his worst moments in his career was when they won the, like the 2012 like uh Champions League final so mm. like it, it's good that like even Enzo a new player like they're like talking they're like China, he's relatable because he's been learning. he's
3: been the biggest one of the biggest players ever in the world and has won basically everything. So that's a good point. And yeah, I think that's what it is. It's, it's the only thing that Todd Bowley needs to do is have a plan. That's like who is his plan for the summer? And if he doesn't have that, then Chelsea are in big trouble.
1: Is he autonomous in Chelsea? Like, is he does he decide everything? Like, yeah, he's taken up the role. sure.
3: It's he's uh, definitely in charge of transfers, transfers and stuff, <laughs> everything football related. I saw a meme. I don't know if it was meme, but someone said that Todd Bowley got his uh, the Frank recommendation from uh, was the British night host guy in the U.S. Oh, uh,
0: James Corden?
3: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Obviously, the punchline to that joke is nobody likes James Corden in the United States. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Not the most well-liked bloke. I mean, the top of the table is going mad. When you talk about Chelsea, you talk about middle of the table. It's technically bottom half, middle of the table. But, man, oh, man, the relegation fight is shaping up to be the greatest it's been in years. In last place, you have Southampton, 23 points. In 19th, you have Leicester, 25 points. In 18th, Nottingham Forest, 27. Everton with 27. Leeds with 29. Bournemouth with 30. West Ham with 30. I mean, pretty much from 16 down. Well, I guess even then, from 14 down, it's just absolutely going mad. I mean, looking at the table is just nuts. But let's talk about the final three. I mean... Southampton seem to be everybody's favorite to go down, but is there any part of Forest that makes you think they could squeak past Everton here, based on what you've seen so far? I think they're going to do it. I think Everton will still go down. Actually, at this point,
3: I think uh, I have
1: hope in Leicester.
3: I think Leicester will go. Will stay. I think Leicester <laughs> will man, go I up. <laughs> I think Leicester will stay up. Bournemouth will go down. Nottingham will stay down, and Southampton will go down. So I think Leicester will be the team to survive while well, Bournemouth will
1: be the team that goes down. I said that with no shame when they have City next. That's crazy. Oh, That's man. That's how oh, I, mean, I see they, it. Actually, they have, they have a lot of deciding games. They have Wolves. They have Leeds. They have Everton. They have Fulham. Liverpool. Big they, points. They, they, they end with some tough teams, though. They have quality players, though. I yeah, know, they, I,
0: I agree. Have... That's what I'm thinking. They'll be able to just pull their way out the mud and, and, be, and finish in, like, 17th. I, know, I still Dino. have
2: faith, but... Let's let's go from 13 down just real quick. So Wolves are they safe? Do we think they're safe?
0: I think Wolves are safe. Okay. Yeah, they pulled West Ham, out of their asses. West no, Ham safe?
2: I think they're hitting form luckily at the perfect time.
0: West Ham and Bournemouth are even on points, but I feel like West Ham is way safe and Bournemouth are like fucked. Even though that like doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, but. I definitely see Bournemouth as like Bournemouth's
1: the most unconvincing team. Oh, they
0: yeah.
2: Fucking beat Liverpool.
0: Though. Oh, like
2: me, bro. Oh. I think I personally think and then Leeds next. What do you guys think about Leeds? That's an absolute wild card for me, but I think I could see Leeds just dropping like off me the face too. of the earth. Me too. After all the work they did to get like promoted and stay up, I th- I think Leeds is probably one of the more volatile sides that could drop. Leeds is the most myst- mysterious team of all time. I think time.
3: Bournemouth will drop.
2: <laughs> what of Everton? I think Everton's safe with with Deich Ball on In full force.
0: Yeah, they're going to end the season with eight. I hope Everton stay up. Yeah, I think think they they will
2: stay up. Tristan, you think Everton might drop?
0: I think they. Yeah, I do actually think they will. I think it'll be, I think it'll be Southampton. I think it'll be Everton. I think it'll be Leeds. That might be kind of a hot take. Leeds. When I think about Leeds, I'm like, they've not really put together any good stretch of of run here this season to like deserve staying up so i feel like that'll just be one of those things where everybody loves them i like them as a club a lot but they just didn't put the work in and yeah everton i think it'll just it'll be just be the tale of calamities over at goodison park this year and they'll they'll just eventually get edged out but that's only again if the the guys at leicester have to turn up because you're right andrew they still have a lot of guys on that side that should not be failing them the way that they are so harvey barnes alone should pull them out of this relegation fight but man oh man
2: i think it'll be southampton leicester leads. That's my relegation three at the moment.
0: So, I mean, this was... we. Were, I was going to bring up later, but since we were on the topic of Leicester right now, yeah. they've just appointed Dean Smith. Connor, if you think they're going to survive, that means you have at least some faith in Dean Smith, right? Is that the case? I don't think Lester's going to survive. Jalen I
1: have faith in Dean. I, I do, too. I think... Jalen yeah. doesn't
0: even
2: know who Dean is. He was mixing them up with he, Steve Bruce they, earlier. Dude, they
1: look so... I think the footballing world would mix them up. They look so much alike. I do think Sorry. they look alike. Old
2: white dudes
3: who what? look like great white sharks. Dean Smith and Mike Steve Bruce? You don't think they look alike? I always got them mixed I up. I get Sean Dyche
2: and Dean Smith mixed up. Not I mean, because they look crazy. alike, but that because of their crazy. names. Their names. Well,
3: so I think Dean Smith will keep them up because he's done the relegation battle before. He did it with Villa. And then he eventually obviously got sacked after saving after like didn't he just tank with Norwich? Okay, he tanked with Norwich. Norwich isn't the best side. So I think Neither is Leicester, right? I now. think Leicester City have enough quality in their players and Dean Smith can do enough with his experience. Um, even with Villa. I mean, they played some good football at times, obviously Groelish was a big part of that, but I, I see I see Dean Smith keeping them alive just based upon his experience alone.
0: I I could see it. I mean I definitely think crazier things have happened. I don't hate I don't hate the appointment as much as maybe I voiced in the group chat, but I mean it's still I thought it was funny. I I laughed when I saw it.
1: I
2: thought it was funny. I I just don't think Dean Smith is in that good of a position in his managerial career. And like when I think of Dean Smith, I, I honestly like, yes, he was he was good with Villa for a stint, but I don't know what his identity is is like what does he bring to a team? Sp- I, don't, I don't know and enough I, th- I think that's what a team needs in the relegation battle is like they need a manager that brings certainty and a specific style that they can no matter what play that's why Dutch ball works so well and with Dean Smith I feel like he just plays a very middle ground style of football and I think that's where you're in a really dangerous spot with a team out of form in a relegation battle any big Sam that's
1: what they need they do need to I mean,
0: that is sort of like the brand counter of, of that manager style of football is just steadiness. Right now, the ship is hemorrhaging water. We are <laughs> intaking water at a crazy rate. We're not going to make it. We need to just slowly patch things up, keep moving forward. And I feel like Dean Smith falls in that category of like almost, and this is from a very general standpoint, but almost like Roy Hodgson level or like you said, Jalen, Big Sam, like there's different levels of shit house in that whole list of managers but what i think they all have in common is that sort of like weighted blanket like okay you know what we have a guy who's been here and uh, been in the situation many many times that at least has to sort of like rising tide lifts yeah. all ships a little bit have that have that kind of effect that but i agree true. it's sort of a difficult to define playing style and that's sort of what they've what they've really been needing all year and again the, the guys are there like there's enough guys in that team who, who stayed didn't told he was supposed to go to like 15 different teams ended no. up not leaving like Man, harvey white is still there yeah
1: he missed his chance crazy
2: <laughs> of course if he leaves uh, that if they drop he'll leave but
0: yeah james madison is somebody who's been on the transfer rumblings so actually getting linked to spurs quite a bit but I don't know. There's still so much good there and I think with with what that club has accomplished in the past 10 or so years, you know, that's just it would be sort of a shame to see them
2: just drop in. Your boy it. couldn't turn him around. Uh the big Australian, what's his name? Or is he Oh Australia?
0: yeah, again, what oh, a great God. fucking shout by me. He's had an awful season. <laughs> oh, Sutar, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Harry. He's had, like, <laughs> he's, he's had like like five sitters. He has like a few yellows. He's on not Sutar. Oh, Harry Paul. Yeah, that was just bad. That was like me saying Jed Spence was going to be the next trend. (laughs) Alexander-Arnold. He's balling out. He's balling out in France. He could still be. Well, we had uh, a non-league, well, technically a National League team who just is getting a little bit closer to promotion. Maybe you've heard of them. They're called Wrexham. Um, They've recently signed a YouTuber to play goalie. That ended up working out well for them in the long run, but they beat Knott's County 3-2 to go top of the league with a game in hand. Uh did you guys all saw, saw highlights of the game? It was it oh, was yeah. a madness. Yeah. It was insane. Oh, yeah.
1: That was insane. <laughs> I'd be yeah. screaming. I, I think I would like I don't know what I would do if I was there.
3: I was saying to Connor cuz I was watching the highlights today and it's insane that that's non-league football.
0: Yeah. Yeah. For just real. Like, just I like mean, the atmosphere and The stands were bouncing. The
2: stadium. The commentary was spot on as well. Like it it was across the board a very, like, entertaining highlight that I watched. <laughs> Will Rexham go
0: up? I think definitely. Certainly. Yeah, I think now yeah. they're going to go up unless something they, drastic happens.
2: With the momentum, I also don't know how many games I, I are left for them to play.
0: They've played so many. Like, didn't games? they
2: play forty eight games or something ridiculous yeah. already? So
0: like they play. Everybody plays each other like five times in a week. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think they're going to, they're going to have the juice to do it. Now they, they do, they will drop points here and there. Like if you go through their results this year, there have been a few blips where they, they would like lose to like the 15th or 16th play. I think they lost a couple weeks ago to the team in 15th. So there's still blips in them. I don't think there's any type of team that the Reynolds McElhoney duo could assemble that wouldn't still occasionally put up like a shit result. But I think they're going to have the juice to do it now. And that game was absurd. I was looking at uh, Ben Foster's footage from behind the goal today, and he uh, he oh, put up all man. sorts of cool highlight footage and all from the fans aspect. But I think about like the financials too, because this is that's a huge topic when you talk about this Rexham team and how things have really been turned around for them. But you know, you mentioned too they are technically a non-league team. I mean, I think about what financials get added, and they're already one of the wealthier teams, I'd have to say, in the National League. So as they go up and the TV money starts coming in and the ad money starts coming in, like, do they become even richer? Do they become like city levels rich because they already have all these funds in place? And
1: I was thinking about that
0: today, too, is just how how if they keep getting promoted, which is I feel like the trajectory they're on, like they could just get promoted again next year and just just keep going up and up.
3: But I, I feel like we won't see them in the in the championship and for like another five or six years. Actually, What's the like,
0: next step of it? League Two?
3: League Two, then League One, then Championship. I think we have to. Uh, a lot of these league, I mean, maybe, but I just feel like. I feel like it that's doesn't happen that fast. Thing. It doesn't happen that fast.
0: Like when Sunderland go, like when you go down, you go down quick. Like so, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when, when Sunderland got got relegated, they just gonna just get kept getting. It's like when you're falling through an apartment building in a cartoon, and they keep going. <laughs> Yeah. like through each floor that's like what happened to them but i'm thinking would would is it not the same effect going up like okay then they'll jump to league two next year okay then we can buy all the best league two players okay now we're going to league one now we can buy all the best league one guys like i it doesn't i, I think don't think it lasts i don't
3: think the momentum going up lasts as long as it
2: does going down mm-hmm. so i think they'll plateau i don't know bournemouth did it they jumped like four three leagues they did In four years No, i'm not
3: saying that it's It's possible, but I just don't think...
2: It has to be a perfect recipe. I think the idea, like, them signing players, I think because they're already so over budget on a lot of their existing contracts that they're not going to be able to bring, even if they do get promoted or when they get promoted, I don't think they're going to be able to bring in as many teams. But say, through the first half of the season, they're doing really well in League 2 then I think a lot of players look at them as a more attractive place to go and they might be willing to take a, I don't know if it'd even be a wage, just stay on the same wage to go play for Wrexham because of the publicity gained um, by playing there. So I think they kind of will have to prove themselves first in the new league or in the next league, and then they might be able to kind of convince some players. But I don't think it's going to be like the summer they jump, they're then going to like reassemble a full new roster to then go chase the the new trophy.
3: Another thing I see happening is uh, the potential for new investment. Because who's to say that another... New new
2: celebrities. (laughs) Like new celebrities
3: or players or... Because I feel like eventually it's going to get to a point where Ryan and Rob are going to have to look out... They're going to have to outsource for more money if they want to make this club, I guess, elite over the course of like 10 years. If they want to shoot for the championship even.
1: Yeah, I mean... My thing is that, like, Wrexham right now in the National League is, like, top dog, like, financially. But who's to say when they go to League 2 or League 1, they're just going to equal out with the teams that are already currently there. And then it's on to, like, actually playing football. And, like, I don't know how they're going to react in those higher leagues because the players only get better. Yeah. Man, watching
2: that game, though, like, the... Watching a VAR-less game and, like, some of the challenges, even on Paul Mullen's goal, it looked like he literally just kicked the dude's leg and then, like, ran onto the
1: ball in behind and nothing was called. Um, that guy must what be a, a le- game. That though. guy must be a legend out there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Paul Dude, Mullen. Dude, so also, that, Mullen, that pe- there, penalty
2: there. save was, like, at full stretch by Ben Foster. Like, that was an insane penalty save. The set piece by Knott's County was in to open the scoring. Like, a perfect left-footed set piece goal. Like, it was good was, it was good about footage. that,
0: too. I mean, for when you're when you're playing Wrexham, too, you're like, fuck, now they got a Premier League-level keeper in between the sticks. Yeah. Like he... Gets a, not doesn't get flack, but I mean now he's like he is really known for his YouTube videos, but he, this guy was playing for Watford like four years ago playing against Man City like he is a still a Premier League goalkeeper. So and it showed.
2: Yeah, he made a lot of big saves and I feel like for him that pace is probably slower than what he's used to. So like he can look like summer against City today where he's just yeah. making these crazy reaction saves despite him being like older and stuff from a yeah.
0: leadership standpoint too though I mean a guy who's played at many many a legendary English stadium played many high level games has I think he has England caps too I mean like he brings in a really good leadership aspect to that to that club too I mean again I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago but I think his his addition to that team will only prove to be more and more valuable as the season goes on but I think they're going to do it now. That brings us to our final topic of the night, our howler of the weekend. We can each quickly go around, give our howlers. I can go first uh, since I had mine ready. Uh, I'm going to go, and this was maybe technically not right at the weekend, but I'm going Erling Holland's new hairdo, which was like double braids braids over the top and down the back which like goldilocks I think, look <laughs> i think i saw a picture somewhere on twitter but it was like it was a picture of him standing and training with his hair smiling and the caption was like my niece when she catches me hiding the easter eggs. Oh my God. And I, I imagine holland is like an overgrown baby girl who's like the like one of those freaky <laughs> like just giant oh. children which is kind of how he looks but the it's just it's the long hair i wish he would i know he's not a totally normal looking guy with shorter hair but i, I wish he would cut it i really do um. Okay,
3: mine's not... I mentioned a two-part, but mine's a one-part now. Jesse March, again, not getting appointed for a job.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, Lester kind of just ruled him
0: out.
3: Yeah,
2: but he didn't get this out.
3: He had the Southampton job. On what grounds, yeah. And then the Lester job also. So you're also. going
0: Howler on Lester City for not bringing him in. No,
3: I'm going Howler on Jesse Marsh for not getting... Uh, failing to get another job. What can he do, man? Just le- ask for less wages... Oh, like is that? Is that that
0: was it. Southampton's reason, uh, or
3: it was a longer contract? They wanted him on a
0: short. To be fair, he pegs me as a guy who asks for a lot of money, though. Does he not strike you guys the same way?
3: Yeah,
2: I could see him going in with an aura about him of like, yeah. I need this. But I also, it also makes sense. Like, if he wanted a longer contract, because he's probably so done with the whole getting in, having three months to fix it tanking club and and then like getting at he's like yo i'm done with this i need time if you can guarantee me, t- guarantee me time and
1: money uh my howl of the weekend is anthony gordon like slapping away eddie Howe when he gets subbed off and acting like Ooh, a big good baby. one yeah that video was i couldn't even believe my house I was like this is atrocious he's such a little kid
0: Wow. yeah actually come back kind of went under the radar too i forgot yeah. that that happened i mean he's really not done anything well for newcastle done anything at
1: all so i don't understand what his i mean i get it frustration over not playing like i don't know if he started a lot of the games i think he's a lot of the times he's a sub but he's been coming (laughs) off the bench since the carabelle cup final i think he's competing with top players so like
0: like, didn't you ask for this son isn't that the whole reason you left everton in the first place so you could compete and play in a better team yeah this is what that life looks like just so you know you don't just walk into every team with your blonde hair and just Connor criticized every touch. me
3: Connor was like oh like of course he wants to make a move but I said yeah, I think he's a kind
2: of a shit house.' it's still a good move at the end of the day
3: it's a good move but Everton's right, but yeah. still in a relegation no, he yeah, yeah. has to have it, a better it attitude it proves my point that he's Kind of an asshole. Yeah, but yeah, right. I, I think up, I
2: yeah. think it's kind of learned by fire. Like you don't understand that atmosphere and the cutthroat nature of it until you're in it. But when you're at Everton and you can kind of pull yeah, some you, strings you're because the you're the star, star boy. boy. You're the yeah. star boy that
1: Chelsea wants to and pay
2: you 80 mil for. Like. Yeah, and I think it's better to learn that at a younger age than being like a 25-year-old <laughs> thinking he's something that hasn't really done shit yet.
0: I agree. Um, yeah.
2: My howler of the weekend. Man, I I thought some were going to get brought up that didn't. Um, but mine is going to be Salah's missed penalty. He's missed the frame. Um, I was going to say Darwin. He's missed the frame. Yeah, that was tough. It just got caught under his feet, but bad dribbling. Yeah, he's getting there, man. <laughs> he's getting there. <laughs> uh, How but do yeah. you think
0: Mo needs to start going back up the middle, simplify things a little bit?
2: Yeah, I think he go laces down the middle. It works pretty well.
1: That what he used to do yeah
2: all a lot time. of the he time. just
0: bashed the living shit out of that thing I, I used to right, would right go guy. everywhere
2: and it's so funny because like when he would was doing that I was always on edge of him taking penalties because I thought a keeper would have have it figured out I mean he he did talk some side netting here and there and he would move it left to right but like every three pence he'd go straight down the middle and now I'm like oh mo has got this like him walking up to the spot I'm like oh he's got this just gonna smash it and He he, he tries to place it wide, and I'm just like, oh no, could it be? I wonder if there's a new penalty taker uh, on the agenda at Liverpool. Klopp was asked about it um, after the match, but he said that's not a conversation that we're going to have here. (laughs)
1: Uh, (laughs) Rightfully so. But I I imagine learning on the interview that's damn, I'm not taking pens anymore. (laughs) Everyone's retweeting it, and you just
2: see it on Twitter. But I I think Mo should stay over him. Like, he's our highest paid player, goal scorer. Uh, everything like that that's
3: all,
0: right. all fellas that's all she wrote for the week good
2: sowed. that wraps it up
3: we'll see you all very soon thank you for joining the howlers podcast be sure to like and subscribe don't forget to check out our link tree and follow us on twitter instagram tiktok twitch and youtube see you all soon Bye bye